Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. All right, the book of Luke, chapter 24, beginning with verse 28, and it says this, and while he was reclining at the table with them, speaking of Jesus, he took some bread, spoke a blessing, and he broke it, and he gave it to them, and then their eyes were open, and they recognized Jesus, and he disappeared from their sight. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts not burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, this morning, just fill this place. Fill our hearts, fill our minds, that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear. Lord, that I would decrease and you would increase. Lord, for the man, the woman, the child that is struggling this morning, that find themselves walking through the door wondering, does anybody see me? Lord, you see them this morning. May today be the day that uh, they find their hope in you. May today be the day that we find our peace in you, our healing in you, our joy in you. In the powerful name of the resurrected Christ, and everyone said... Amen, amen. So we have this kind of pattern that's taken on here, and it's, it's God has taken and chosen, set apart, blessed, and now this week we are talking about being broken. Not too many amens, okay? You're blessed, you are chosen, but also there is a breaking that goes on. Uh, every time I think of this breaking in my mind, all I can think about is just a wild horse. You know, there's this wild horse that's been captured and brought into this pen, and there's a trainer that's breaking the horse in order that it can be ridden. And it's this process that the trust has to go through, and it's this process in which the trainer is basically saying to the horse, you've got to learn how to trust me. You've got to learn how to live into this new thing, and it is a process. And I don't know anything about horses, but I'm sure it's not fun. I'm sure, I mean, just you're this wild horse out there roaming the fields, free to do whatever you want, and then all of a sudden, whoa, whoa, life has changed. You are broken. Welcome to church. You are broken. But here's the thing. God's breaking is more like a fixing. It's more like a fixing Not only are you broke, though, the scriptures actually tell us, and we're going to read here in just a few moments, that not only are you broke, but you're actually dead in your sin before you knew Christ. So not only is it just like, oh, it's broke, I need to get a new fan belt. No, no, completely dead in your sin before you came to know Christ. And and when, when I read this, and we'll read from Ephesians 2 in just a few moments, but all I could think about is like how we like to shine things up that are broken sometimes. And uh, I had this picture in my mind, and we're going to use this kind of analogy through the rest of this message, and so kind of get this picture. Uh, whatever car you can choose, it could be a car, it could be a truck, it could be an SUV, uh, whatever you picture in your driveway, imagine it's sitting there, and it's nice, 
and it's shining and it's bright and the sun is coming off of it and you're out there and you're washing and you're waxing and it's great, but there's a problem with your ride. There is no engine. There is no transmission, but no one else can tell that from the outside. It just looks like a really, really nice car. And so your friends come over and they start looking at your car and like, oh, this, I can't believe you got this ride. This is awesome. Yeah, and you're out there and you're shining up. Not only is it awesome, but hey, check this out. I've got the best stereo. So you show them the stereo, you, you crank it up and the whole neighborhood is now listening to you and your car and this stereo. And to which he says, let's go for a ride. There's a problem. Let's just kind of look at it. Let's just sit here in the driveway and uh, look at it because there's no engine in this ride. And the scripture says we are dead in our sins. It can look really good on the outside, but it ain't going nowhere. And God comes in and takes us and makes us alive in him and chooses us and blesses us and breaks us. But here's the thing, this breaking doesn't just leave us in the driveway. This breaking makes us alive in Christ, maybe for the very first time. All of a sudden, it's something new. Now, here's the thing. Most of us, <clears throat> most of us would admit when pressed hard enough that we're broken. Uh, it, it wouldn't take too much, but we don't like to talk about it, especially in church. We don't like to talk about it. We would rather just cover it up. We would rather just keep the car in the driveway, come to church, looking really shiny. As long as everyone thinks I have it together, life is okay. As long as the, the preacher thinks I'm doing good, and as long as the people in this room think, they, they don't know all the junk that went on Saturday night or even Sunday right before we got out of that car with the kids, and you don't even want to know what dad said to the kids. Like, it happens, somebody in here, but no, no, we don't, hey, as long as we look shiny right here and we turn the radio up loud enough, it'll be all right. It's going to be okay. And here's the thing about our culture. I want to give you two things about our culture. One is we love some heroes. We are a hero-driven culture. We love great stories of great men and women, and we love our, uh, our Superman and our Incredible Hulk and these guys because it's not just enough to be man, it's well, it's Superman. Or not just to be the Hulk and be incredibly strong, it's the Incredible Hulk. And then it's, it's not just these characters from Marvel or whatever they're from, DC, but uh, also in life. And we love our, our Jordans and our Kobe Bryants, and, and, and people that excel. And, and in the church world, we love our pastors, and we love our teachers. And in the marketplace, we love our CEOs, and we love our, uh, our people that disrupt things, and our Steve Jobs, and our leaders in the technology, because these, all of a sudden, we make them to a type of hero. And what happens when we make these people into types of heroes, we forget that they're broken. We forget that they're broken, we begin to overlook their brokenness, and oftentimes we can even begin to look at the scriptures, and all of a sudden we start to see a whole bunch of heroes, and we don't see David as David anymore. We only see David as the kid who killed Goliath, and he's the hero of the story, right? David, you know, it's David, King David, but we don't see David, murderer David. David that took another man's wife, David. David that sent one of his top generals out to get killed, David. David that did some really, really stupid stuff, David. We just see, oh, that's David and Goliath, David. 
all of these things because we love our heroes. Second thing about our culture is this broken equals useless. If something breaks, well, it's done. If it breaks, that's it. Just get a new one. You know what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. If your, if your dishwasher breaks, you don't fix that thing. You get a new one. You know why? Because you know it's going to cost you more to try to fix the dishwasher than it is to just get a new one. The other day, my dryer just decided to stop working. And apparently, you have a warranty, and it stops working the day after your warranty ends. And so I'm thinking, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, I'm not mechanical at all. No, but I'm like, why not? It's already broken. So I take the dryer apart, and I'm thinking, if it's the belt, I could fix the belt. I can do that, I think. So I take the dryer apart. It's not the belt. And so what do you do when the one thing you know how to, well, you do what anybody does. You get on YouTube. And you start YouTubing how to fix this thing, and you realize really quick, oh, no, it's something that I can't fix. It's the control board. It's the motherboard of this thing. And you know what? Just to replace this one part cost me $450. A new one's going to cost me $600. And so we throw out the piece of junk, and we get something new because it's broken, and the warranty's up, and all of this happens, and we just get a new one. No lie. Not, this was a few years. This was, I don't know how many. I say a few years ago. It was like a decade ago. Um, a decade ago, I have no idea about cars. Uh, my truck, I was driving my truck, all of a sudden it started making this squealing sound. Trading that bad boy in. Matt's over here telling me, oh, it's just a fan belt. You know, you could have fixed that thing for 30 bucks. and Trade it in. I don't, I don't know how to fix the thing. You just trade it in. If it's broke, you get a new one. That's how we do it in this culture. That's how we do it in society because heroes don't come broken. And if it's broken, it's useless. So if I am broken, let's cover it up so no one else can see how useless I really am. Let me say that one more time. Because heroes don't come broken. If broken equals useless, then let's just cover up the brokenness so no one else can see how useless I really am, how useless I really feel. I don't know what I'm doing. Maybe there's this fear that maybe I'll be found out for the fraud that I really am. Let's just highlight my successes. Let's highlight all of the things that I'm really good at. Let's turn up the radio really loud in the driveway and drown out all of the squeaky belts. Let's distract you from the fact that the engine is missing. Because as long as I look good on church on Sundays, it doesn't matter that my life's falling apart Monday morning. And here's the problem with our culture. Some of us have turned up the noise so loud that we began to believe the hype. We actually begin to believe that, yeah, 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 I'm actually pretty good. All the pats in the back and everybody telling me, this is the story that we tell ourselves and, and, and I'm actually really good. And all these other things that, I know that they're, they're kind of a problem, but then we minimize them. It's not really a problem. This is just a little thing in my life. And, and it's okay because I'm, I'm so talented in these other areas. And so it's just a little addiction, Pastor. It's just, it's just a little bit of lying. It's just a little bit of cheating. It's just a small porn addiction. It's just this little thing. And it's okay because it doesn't matter because I preached a really good sermon on Sunday. 
And it doesn't really matter because we helped all these kids in Africa and we dug wells and we, you know, it's okay. It's just a little thing. It's a, turn the radio up just a little bit louder. Let's drown it out. I've done so much. And the scriptures say this about David. At a time when kings go to war, David said, I'll just hang back just seems like a little thing. He wasn't in the place where he was supposed to be. And so, no, no, I'm just going to hang back. After all, I've been through a lot of battles. I've done a lot of things. Look at all of the success. Look at where Israel has gone underneath my leadership. And so now I know it's the time when kings go to war, but I'm just going to hang out right here. And you know what? I'm just going to spend five minutes on the roof. I'm just going to spend five minutes, I'm going to enjoy the sunlight, I'm going to go hang out on the roof. Oh, and you know what? i got a new pair of binoculars. I'm going to try out my new binoculars on the roof. Ooh, that is a good-looking woman right there. And what's the next thing that happens? Y'all know the rest of the story. If you don't, you should read it. I'm not going to tell it to you. It's really good. You see a broken man who let a little thing compound and become a huge thing, a huge thing in his life. Let's read from the book of Ephesians. Let's see this. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul writing this letter to this church, and he says this, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins, you used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Now, remember, he's writing this letter to a church, y'all. So this isn't for unbelievers. This is a letter to believers, to this church, and saying, like, you were once dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of this unseen world. Like, you were not only, like, you were dead in your sins, and you were obeying the devil. Hmm, pretty harsh, but that's what he's telling us. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way. Now, I look this word up. And you know what all means in the Greek and the Hebrew? It means all. Amen. It means everybody. You know what it means in the Egyptian and the Japanese and in the English? Everybody. All of us. The pastor, the prophet, the teacher, your next door neighbor, your cousin, your mama. The, the little old lady down the road, who she's so sweet, all of us, all of us used to live that way, following what? The passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Following what? The passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature underneath what? The devil. And he says this, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. The very nature of what you were, dead in Christ, passionate to your sinful inclinations, subject to God's anger. But Jesus just loves us. He was mad at you. He was mad at you, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much. Let's get to that in just a second. Let me pause on there. because We'd like to move on to that real quick. But let's hold on to what Paul is saying. Because what Paul does is he destroys our hero theory. He destroys this idea of there's, there's these heroes and then there's the rest of us. He says, every one of us were like this. 
Every one of us lived with these passionate desires, these inclinations, this sinful nature, bent towards sin. Selfishness was in your DNA, subject to God's anger. This is the very nature. But pastor, you don't understand, like, they're just, they, they're just a really good person, and, and I'm just a really good person. They don't cuss that much. They, they, don't, they don't do bad things. I've never seen them get mad. They, 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 they're just a good person. They do so many great things to help humanity. They're nice. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that we were dead in our sins. And here's what you got to get. Their passionate desires and inclinations they, they don't always just manifest themselves in like harsh things in the world. Sometimes they manifest themselves in a way that helps humanity. Sometimes those passionate desires and those inclinations of the flesh manifest themselves in a way that helps humanity and that very nature is at odds with God. But, but, but all of these great things that they're doing, like God's gotta be happy with it. That's not what the Bible says. Let's actually see, you say like, well, you know, this is Paul's letter. Paul could have been using some extreme language. Let's see what Jesus says. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. And on judgment day, many will say to me this, not a few, but many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name. We performed many miracles in your name, but I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. Listen to a few other translations. It doesn't just say, get away from me, those who break God's law. Get away from me, you evildoers. Get away from me, you workers of lawlessness. Get away from me, you workers of iniquity. Do you hear the language that Jesus is using? Lawlessness, workers of iniquity, and evildoers. He's using this in the context of people that are prophesying in his name, casting out devils, and miracles are happening. When is the last time we've used that kind of language? And we're like, man, how was church? I don't know, somebody got up out of a wheelchair. And like Jesus is saying, but hold on. Wait, wait a second. If I didn't know you, if I wasn't in that, if all of these things could be happening, and I could say it could be work of lawlessness, work of passionate inclinations of your flesh and have nothing to do with that, get away from me. And here's where it gets even more interesting. The work that we could be doing, it could be great work, and it could bless people. You, you prophesy, and miracles can happen, and these amazing things can happen. And this is why you could have a demon in the pulpit. And this is why you could have someone that's the, the CEO of a 501c3 nonprofit, and they're building wells all over the world and helping people and still be working for their father, the devil. This is, how, this is how you can have someone that's doing amazing, great works and still have no part of Christ. You wanna know why? It's simple. Because good works is not the basis of salvation. Good works is not the basis of salvation. Preaching a good sermon does not qualify me for salvation, nor does it qualify me for eternal life. All of the good that you think you're doing, as much as you could shine that car in the driveway, as loud as you could turn that radio up, you're still dead in your sin. Dead in your sin. Not just like, oh, there's a little bit of life. 
You ain't going nowhere. There's no engine. There's no transmission. So, so let's continue in Ephesians with what Paul's saying here. Beginning with verse 4, And God is so rich in mercy that he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, church. It's only by his grace, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Why? So God, here's the why. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all as he's done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not, just underscore, highlight, exclamation, it is not a reward for for the good things that we have done. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece, and yet you're broken. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things. Here goes another so. Why? So we can do good things he planned for us long ago. He planned these things, these good things for us. So here's the truth. Until you're made alive in Christ, you haven't done any good yet. Sure, other people got blessed. Sure, you could have done all of these amazing things, but you're still parked in the driveway because you are not alive in Christ. And once you become alive in Christ, now we can start this good work that I want to do in you and through you. Now, here's the thing. Most of us would say, okay, pastor, I'm with you on that. Uh, I get all that, this, this death to life, but there's still in in this lies a huge problem. And the problem is this. What Paul's addressing is this life before Christ. What about our life in Christ now? What about the passionate inclinations that we have after we've been made alive in Christ? We don't like to talk about that. Oh, we're a new creation in Christ. We're a new being, all these things. But hold on, we're still living this life in the flesh. And I thought that, oh, maybe once I got saved, maybe I just instantly, like, sanctification would just happen in a moment, and all of a sudden I would just have this renewed everything, and I wouldn't just have the lust in my heart anymore. And I'm now found in Christ, but I still have this problem, and I'm still doing stupid stuff. I'm delivered, but I'm damaged. I'm saved, and yet I'm being saved. I'm made alive but my flesh is still at war, and it desires things that are not of Christ. Amen. I love Jesus, but I still love crack. Come on. I love Jesus, but I still like to get high on Friday nights. Come on. We wouldn't say that, but we just, we just oh, you know, I still I have these things. I still love Jesus, but I still have all this lust in my heart. A woman can't walk by without me just thinking these thoughts. But hold on. I, I, I thought... Alive in Christ, all the, I'm not sure I'm still broken. There's a problem with me. And since we have this 
idea that heroes don't come broken and broken things get thrown out, it's just a matter of time before Jesus doesn't want me. It's just a matter of time that the church really knew, if the pastor really knew, if the person sitting to my left or sitting to my right really knew what was going on in my life, then they wouldn't want me either because broken things, they get thrown out. And heroes don't come broken. And let's just turn the radio up a little bit louder. Let's look to Peter for a few moments. This is Peter, and to whom Jesus says things like, uh, oh, on this rock, I'm gonna build my church. This is Peter, whom is the leader of leaders. This is Peter, who there's the disciples, and then there's Peter, right? Peter's the man. Peter, Peter's the one that when they come to, Peter pulls out, so I'm gonna chop some ears off. Peter is walking on water, Peter. If everyone else denies you, not me, Peter. This is, this is the man's man. This is Peter. And yet, what took him down? What took him down? It was the night of Jesus' arrest, and the scriptures tell us he was standing out there, and a young slave girl approached him. A little nine-year-old third grader came up to big, strong Peter and simply asked him a question. Aren't you one of his followers? I've never seen him before. And it happened again and again. What took down Peter in this moment? It wasn't an entire army. Peter wasn't threatened with life and death. Peter wasn't in this moment where it was like, no, no, no. It was a little girl. And I didn't, I, I don't know who he is, and all of a sudden the rooster crowed, and he remembered the words of Jesus, this night, you're going to deny me. The sounds as it echoed through the air, the reality of his brokenness flooded his soul. The radio was turned off, and the realization of how weak he really uh, was became very real to Peter. No big army, no giant guard, no sword to pull, just a little girl. And what's interesting is Jesus knew this when he called Peter. Jesus told him, this is what's going to happen. I knew it. I know what this is going to look like. And, and in Peter's mind, wait, hold on, I'm the leader. And heroes and leaders, they, they, they don't deny Christ I'm a, I'm a leader, I'm part of this movement. Now all of a sudden, I'm a fraud. I'm broken. God can't use me anymore. I guess I'll just go fishing. Some of us know this moment. If you don't know this moment, you will. It will happen. When you're face to face with your brokenness of who you think you are and how strong you think you are, and you realize, I'm nowhere near what I thought I was. I remember one of many, but one of my moments, it was about 10 years ago, we're somewhere around year four, year five into the church, and uh, I know at that point I probably preached, I don't know, two, 300 sermons, and I remember having this conversation with God and saying, all right, God, that's it. I've, I'm done. I, I, I've said everything that I want to say. Like, I, I, you know, I, I, I gave it a good shot, I tried, you know, 300 sermons later, pretty good, but nothing's changed. Brunswick County, still Brunswick County. 
Like uh, the people, I mean, all the stuff still happening. I just, <sighs> complete failure. Can I, can I go back to the mission field now? I mean, come on, God, do, do something because this, I just complete defeated, just feeling like, God, I, I can't do, I can't do what these other pastors do. Man, these other pastors, these other preachers that I listen to, they're so good. They're so articulate. They know how to read really good. These words confuse me half the time. I got to try really hard just to read. And these guys, they could tell stories and they just make the scriptures come alive. And like, God, I'm nothing like them. I just, I feel useless. I feel broken. And to be like, I'm supposed to be a pastor. Can I be honest with you, Jesus? Like, I don't even like people. <laughs> For the most part, they annoy me. I mean, someone's always calling. Someone's always wrong. Like, OMG, God, why me? I suck at this. Can, can we please just be done with it already? I'm useless. I've given everything I had and nothing's changed and can we not just go on to something else? I'm broken. I'm broken. And see, I don't know how Peter felt in this moment. I don't know if it was maybe a little bit how I felt, but in this moment, I'm, just, I'm assuming that Peter felt lousy. I'm assuming that he felt empty, that his whole world has fallen apart, and everything that even he thought about himself was just done He's been found out. He's a fraud. He's failed. And you can't play the radio loud enough any longer. You have to actually go somewhere, and this car doesn't work. And you're absolutely helpless. Whenever everything that you've leaned on is gone. For some of us, maybe we've leaned on our health, or we've leaned on money, or influence, or talent and abilities. For some of us, we've leaned on our own understanding. That's a big one. But it's in this moment that Peter had, that I had, that I guarantee that you've had, and you will have, that Jesus shows up. And all of a sudden, you realize something. That you've been enrolled in a school that you didn't know you were enrolled in. And the school is called brokenness. And Jesus has been doing a work in you from the very beginning. And yeah, you think you have failed, but the truth is now you've actually passed. Now Jesus looks at you and says, I could do something with you now, Peter. I could do something with you now, Lucas. I could do something now, Matt and Morgan. And he shows up, and he's got fish on the grill, and there's the smell of charcoal in the air. The same smell of charcoal that was in the air the night that Peter denied him. And all of the emotions are there, and they're flooding in, and Peter's expecting anything but a Jesus that could still use him, and to which Jesus asks this question of him, do you love me? You know I do. No, 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 Peter, do you, do you love me? You know I do. Peter, do you love me? You, you know all things. You know how broken I am. You know I've just denied you. 
you, you, you know, I, I've done all these things. And then listen to what Jesus says to him. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. What's he saying to Peter? I'm not done with you yet, boy. You've got a whole lot more to do. As a matter of fact, you're just now getting ready. You're just, wait till we get to the book of Acts. Just wait. You thought you could preach a sermon then. Just wait. Wait till you start preaching some sermons when you're empowered by the Holy Spirit. Just wait, because you've taken all of this brokenness, all these things that normally we would discard, and God says, no, I'm going to make something new. I'm going to make something fresh. Feed my sheep. See, your brokenness isn't a disqualification. It's a prerequisite to kingdom living. To be fully alive in Christ. And here's the thing, though. It's a pattern. You can't be truly given until you're broken. He took it. He chose it. He blessed it. He broke it. Then he gave it. We have to be broken first. And it's here that we find ourselves. It's here that we no longer want to hide all of these sins and these inclinations, but we put them on display for the world to see. We put them on display for the world to see. We don't want to just pretend any longer. I mean, could you imagine the gospel writers? For a moment, imagine you're Peter, and this, this, this is happening. You've denied Christ, and, and you're over there, and you're talking to John, and John's writing this gospel, and you're like, hey, that whole part about me denying him, can you leave that part out? You know, like if it was me, that's what I would say. I was like, hey, I know this is going to be the gospel. There's so many things. As a matter of fact, there's so many things that you could say about Jesus. We could fill the whole world with books. This one part, this one night, could you just leave that part out? But that's not what Peter says. And see, I, 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 that's, what, that's not what anybody who's truly been broken says. See, I think anybody that's truly been broken goes and says, hey, hey, that part where I... Make sure you put that in there. Don't leave that part out. The, the, the part where, where I failed, leave, leave that in there. Make sure the entire world talks about this. Why? Why? Why do they want that in there? Ephesians. So God can point us in all future point to us in all future generations as examples of the incredible wealth of His grace. Make sure you put that in there. Make sure all of these things that we don't, we don't want the world to see that we're struggling with, and, and people are, no, no, make sure that the world knows that God uses broken people. This is, this is how God chooses to, to use things. Don't leave that out. And so this is no longer a book about heroes. There's only one hero, and that hero is Jesus Christ. Every single one of them, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all of the ones in David, all of the, make sure you put those parts in there. Don't leave those parts out because it doesn't point to how good I am and points to the incredible grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's the only reason why I'm here today, broken as I am. And this is the place where we find ourselves. I came across something this week, and I want to put a few pictures on the screen. There's three or four of them, and I'm just scroll through a few of those pictures and then let it hold on that last one for a minute. It's beautiful pottery. It's a Japanese style of pottery, and I'm not going to pronounce it right. It's called kintsugi. 
And the process of this Japanese pottery is what they do is when a piece of pottery has been broken, they put it back together. But when they put it back together, they put it back with gold, pure gold. And all of a sudden, it's something completely new and beautiful. And, and there's actually rumors of people in the antiquity world that'll take old pieces of, of pottery that are just like, man, they're just amazing, valuable, and they'll actually purposely break them just so they can put them back together like this because it's more valuable like this. And I think it's a picture of life, of what God is doing in you. And I'm here to tell you this morning, Christian, you don't have to hide your cracks. You don't have to pretend like you're good enough. You don't have to put on a show for the rest of us to see. What you have to do is let the Lord of all creation into your life and let him replace those cracks with pure gold. Let him fill you with his spirit and watch what he can do. And let your life be a testimony of the grace of Jesus Christ that yes, I'm broken, but look what God can do. Stand with me to your feet, please. We're gonna take communion together. If you didn't receive a cup on your way in, uh, lift your hand real high and the ushers will get a communion cup to you. Before we partake in this, I wanna give anyone in here that doesn't know him the opportunity to surrender your life to Jesus. It's an invitation to death so that you may live. And so if you would, just for a moment, please close your eyes, bow your heads. If that's you and you're in the room and you're saying, Pastor, I'm broken and I'm not in Christ yet. Maybe I've done some really good things Maybe everybody even thinks I'm a good person, but I'm still dead in my sin. And you need Jesus this morning. I'm here to tell you, he wants you. Amen. He wants you. If that's you and you're in, the, you're in the room, you just want to surrender your life to Christ. Put your hand real high in the air where I can see it. I just want to lead you into a prayer of salvation. Is there anybody in the room? I want to believe that everyone knows him. For the rest of us, maybe we've been trying to hide. Maybe we've been trying to pretend. Maybe even we've lived into the lie for so long that we've even began to believe our own hype. Everyone tells us how good we are and we know we're missing an engine. We know that we just, oh Jesus, oh we need you. We're broken. Lord, so that you could fix us. Lord, you died on that cross while we were yet sinners. You take broken things and Jesus, you make them beautiful. 
And on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. And he broke it into pieces. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Partake. And in the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, and he said this, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Not confirmed with your works, not confirmed with your good behavior, not confirmed with your good deeds, but confirmed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ shed on the cross. And so we do this in remembrance of you. Take, drink. Let's take a few minutes, church. I'm asked that no one move around for the next few moments. You gotta use the restaurant. restroom, just hold it for a minute. But let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.